from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. Welcome, everybody, to the Coach's Edge podcast. I am your guest host for today, Taylor Kramer, the younger brother of Stephen Kramer and the the brains and the effort behind the Coach's Edge podcast. And he um, he is entering year 10 of Kramer basketball. And so he asked that I come on and tease out some information about what it has meant, uh, what it's been like to be a small business owner for the last nine years. Uh, for those that aren't small business owners, that's a that's a really big deal. And so I think that this is going to be a great conversation. It's going to open some doors for for Stephen to be able to throw some knowledge out there. And so where I would like to start is, Stephen, you know this as well as anybody. When you're trying to start a business, one of the first questions, if not the first question you have to ask, is what problem am I trying to solve? And so for your line of work, what do you think has been the biggest challenge for players and how are you trying to help them solve those challenges? Yeah, they really need to go hand in hand. So, I mean, I just, nine years has flown by. There's been a ton of changes, a bunch of challenges, struggle. Um, You know, and my hope through this episode is we can drop some nuggets for coaches who are listening. And so they can think about how they can train their players better, coach uh, better. I can share some of the things that I do that I found being successful in the player development space. Um, and obviously I think there's some takeaways from, you know, just uh, having this experience of kind of running, running a show. Um, so things need to go hand in hand. You talked about the biggest challenges for, for players. I think for me personally, it starts out with, you got, what's the why? Like, why are you doing what you do? And then from that, you have this foundation of what you're about, and then you look to solve problems for others based on that, right? And so for me, if you go to our website, currentbasketball.com, you'll see right at the top, it says faith, passion, service, sacrifice, right? Faith, right? I'm I'm a believer. Yeah, I think that that should not be a box that we live in. That should be a foundation that people can pick up on regardless of what I'm doing, whether I'm out hanging out with my family, whether I'm working, whether I'm training in anything that I do, I want that to be reflected, right? And then the faith also comes back to basketball as far as having faith in your work, confidence in your work, believing in what you do and that it's going to pay off. There's the passion and the purpose aspect of what you do, which is how we help players with the challenges that they have right? Because I also have a passion for something that they are interested in. And for me, those two main things, as far as basketball, being a basketball coach is the passion for basketball and the passion for kids, right? Um, So faith, passion, service. I think that if we go into anything that we do with a service mindset, right? You know, there's a, there's a quote that says you're each day, you're a fountain or you're a drain, man. I don't want to be a drain. I don't want to be a drain. I want to be a fountain. Right. And in order to be a fountain, we got to give life. We're trying to serve other people. Right. So based on those interests, how can I start to serve others? Starting out with a servant mindset is huge. And it gives us some humility because a lot of times as a coach, 
you know, especially if you wear the top hat as a varsity basketball coach, it can be tough sometimes to, to be humble, right? Because everybody looks to you for the answer. So if we automatically come in with a service mindset, we're in great shape. So pay, faith, passion, service, and then sacrifice. That's something that we try to, you know, emphasize with all of our players and everybody that we work with is if you want to be good at anything, it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take blood, sweat, tears, sacrifice, doing some things that you want to do so that later you can do the things you want to. I'm sorry, excuse me, doing things that you may not want to do so that later you can do a lot of things that you can and that you do want to be able to to accomplish. And so it's being able to give that right from an energy, from a spirit uh, standpoint. And I think that that is, if there was one thing that has uh, helped me do what I do at the level, uh, work with a couple thousand players every single year, it's really what you just heard right there. It's being able to, people can see and they can feel your passion for something. And if you walk around and you give that vibe out to somebody else, those people that are ready and willing to accept that, boom, you got them. And then you're off and running, right? And so getting back to your, your question, that's kind of our foundation. And then we're looking at well, in today's game and today's age, what are some of the things that uh, players may be struggling with? I'll just give you a couple because I think there's a there's a ton. And this these could be full podcasts themselves. But I think fighting boredom, is so, so vital. Fighting boredom, right? The consistency and the reps that it take to be great. I think coaches can struggle with this as well. A lot of times we want to add something new, right? You want to add something new, you want to add some new because you're bored with something. But guess what? A lot of times what's boring works. Form shooting works. Getting some stationary ball handling to work on your foundation and then adding some footwork to it. That works. When it's done at a high intensity, it's done consistently. You know, I, I, I remember after my junior year in high school, I was a leading scorer in the area. I'm not going to tell you the sad story of me getting the flu and losing in the regionals and stuff, but because, you know, that was probably the most talented team I ever played on. You know, I, every time I bring up that story, I just feel I did not pull a Michael Jordan in that game, um, played okay, wasn't enough to win. Um, but after that year, I was like, I'm, I'm the best player in, in my area. And like, what am I going to add to my game? I'm going to add deep threes to my game. And so that whole spring, I was shooting not, like not a foot or two behind. I was just practicing NBA threes, NBA threes, NBA threes. Uh, did that help me? Probably not that much, right? Now, the next year, was I shooting a foot or two behind the three-point line if that was the right shot to take in that situation? Sure. But I don't really think that the fact that I was practicing like 23-plus foot three-point shots for a couple months really helped my game. It probably hurt it in, in that case. But my problem was I was bored. And so instead of being a, you know, going from a seven or eight out of 10 catch and shoot shooter and trying to bump that to eight or nine out of 10, when I take 10 threes, it was like, no, I'm content with where I'm at from there. Let me start to back it out instead. Players are fighting that. Coaches are fighting that. We want something new. You don't need something new a lot of times. You just need to get better at what you know already works. Get better at the things that you already believe in, that you already understand. Become elite in that area, and then you can build around that. 
right? Like if I were to help a player out, especially as they're older, I would say, man, can we become great at something? Like I was watching a, one of our teams play, uh, one of our coaches edge members, our clients and young lady who's their point guard has elite ball handling skills, right? So they already won their sectional, they're moving on in the tournament and they can't take the ball from her, right? There was one possession, she she's doubled, she dribbles around, another player comes, she dribbles around, she goes in the baseline, dribbles through two more players, makes the pass because they're in the fourth quarter, they're burning some clock. You know, being an elite ball handler at the girls level is so, so vital because there's kids that can shoot, there's some kids that can do some other things. Ball handling, I think, would be elite for a girls basketball player. Shooting, I think, would be elite for a boys basketball player, right? But being able to fight the boredom and just keep working at it and working at it, working at it, I think that's one of the biggest challenges for players today. So being as you're entering your 10th year, that's no small sample size. You've worked with players um, for quite a long time. And there's been, I mean, anybody that's paid attention, there's been a, a major evolution to the game, even in just the last decade. And so what what are some things that maybe you've seen change over the years? Man, that's, that's a, such a good question. I mean, I think from a player development standpoint, social media has changed how players think they need to train. Um, it's made us more critical, more cynical of things, what work and don't work. Um, I think that as players, it can be easy to be fooled by something that looks cool. I know I fell into that. You know, when I started out in training, I wanted to do something flashy. You know, I wanted to do something that looked cool instead of just getting back to, hey, here's what actually works. Because I was always passionate as a player, you know, high school, college, overseas. I've always had a passion for like working on my skills, working on my game, making footwork a little more precise, things like that. But I've gotten caught up in, you know, what looks cool. And so that's something that's changed. It's also a challenge for kids is to figure out, you know, what's fluff, right? What's fake? And what's really work? Like, I'm sorry, dribbling around and pushing a tractor tire, it's not gonna, it's not gonna do anything for your game, right? Um, from a team standpoint, it's five out. It's five out to me has been the biggest one. Um, you know, my evolution as a player, I'm old enough to where a lot of teams went, you know, three out, two in. You, know, you got the point guard up top, you'd run both wings through a down screen at the block, pop them out. You'd have two players in the post. You'd run one like high post, low post. You'd one run one that might be getting out into a ball screen or flashing to the corner, short corner, um, then coming back in and then transitioning into, okay, things are now four out, one in, right? Um, like a lot of when we were playing overseas, it was all pretty much four out, one in with, with most of the stuff that we had going. Um, you know, playing overseas, we started transitioning into like a true three guard lineup you know, where it was like, we don't need like a small forward. In fact, our small forward might be our power forward. Our person that might be a two guard is actually going to be the small forward now. And then um, like how that helped me was I could play a little bit of point and two guard. And so I could just be out there and be like, okay, I'm out with a two guard. I'm out there with a point guard and whatever needs to fit given a certain possession, that'll just be my role for that possession. And so going with like true three guard lineups, being able to, to transition into five out where it's a little more posi positionless and 
I have trouble saying the word positionless because I don't think it's positionless. I think it's just perimeter. Like people call it positionless basketball. It's not positionless basketball. It's perimeter basketball. And I, I think that as a, as a coach, there's a lot of value in finding somebody that can get buckets around the rim because nobody knows how to deal with it anymore, right? We've gotten so far away from being able to put somebody around the basket. It's one of the reasons why I still love watching college basketball is you, you still see quite a few teams that have a dominant post presence. A lot of the really good teams have a dominant post presence. And so I think for high school coaches, it doesn't have to be your big it just needs to be somebody who has the ability to score around the basket. I think you would throw a lot of teams through the loop because nobody knows how to defend uh, that type of style. So um, from a training standpoint, there's an answer from a, you know, a, a basketball concept style of play. Um, there's an answer. I should probably, I could go on a tangent about the use of ball screens as well. I mean, that's been a huge, huge one, like ball screens have taken over the game, um, but we only have so much time in this episode. Well, then my next question would be, um, you know, what are some of the struggles in today's game for players and coaches specifically? Um, because, I mean, do you think we're at a point already where a lot of the players that are coming up through the high school ranks are comfortable with the style of play um, that's popular now? Or is, is there a lot of challenges to be solved yet for coaches and players? You know, I think that it's very difficult for coaches and players because, we live in the information age. We live in the digital age. So, um, you know, I, I remember making DVDs, right. And watching DVDs. And I remember watching VHS tapes and, you know, watching the bad boy Pistons on VHS and then go try to do some Isaiah Thomas moves out in the driveway. Um, now anything that we want to see, we can find it. And there's so many coaching resources out there as well, it can be very easy for us to get pulled in a lot of directions and to um, not necessarily maybe buy into something that deep down we feel is the best for us because we see a high-level coach or a high-level player doing something a certain way say, well, they're really good at what they do, so now I need to copy what they do. Yeah, but you're not them, right? You don't have the players that they have. You don't have the personnel that they have. And so that's a that's a, I'm sorry, I'm probably getting away from your question, but I think that that's something to get back to what as coaches we need to, to do is simplify and delete. Simplify and delete. It is so easy to add and it's so easy for us to get complex because of the information that is out there. Um, but I think that if you can truly ask yourself, where is it that I want to go as a basketball program? What are the couple pillars or staples that we need to hang our hat on? And then can we fully immerse ourselves in those things? That's going to help us be better in the long run. Like if I'm, if I'm sold out, bought into a read and react for out one in motion offense, and I believe in it, I'm going to, deep dive and learn as much as I can on that specific area compared to like taking in, okay, well, who's running the ball screen offense? Who's running the five out? Like I just have to put my blinders on and focus on what I know is going to help make me more successful. Yeah. It sounds like it's back to that foundational piece that, you know, has led your business to, to entering its 10th year is where is that foundation? 
and how that leads to what the first and second and third floors look like. And I'm thinking back to our program in high school and there was a, I, I can't speak to it now, but there was a, a point in time where everybody was on the same page from middle school all the way up to high school and preparing these players for, for the style that was going to be played when they got to the, to the varsity level. And um, I think that that's kind of exactly what you're, what you're speaking to. Um, how, how have you seen training change over the years? And, and I'm thinking back to when you were first running Thumb Pride camps, um, however many years ago that was, maybe closer to 15 years ago, um, to, to now where you're working with players you know, all over the Midwest. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. 2008 was when we started our first basketball camp that, that I directed. And obviously as a player, if you're involved, like you're coaching at other camps and you're involved since, you know, you were a young age, you know, Taylor, you were, you know, one of my coaches for uh, those camps way back in the day as well. Um, so we've had obviously a, a long stretch, you know, closer to 20 years really than, than, um, you know, the nine years of being full-time self-employed with, with this business. And I think that, what we see today compared to what we see then is the fact that players need a little bit more from us. All right. And so I can't speak to exactly what everybody else is doing, but I can share some of the changes and things that we've made. When I was starting out in basketball training, <clears throat> I did a lot of block reps. I did a lot of block reps because I thought everybody was getting enough games in on their own. Right. And so I wanted to complement what I thought kids were already doing. I thought kids were playing enough basketball already. And I think that in today's age with depending on the group that you're working with, that absolutely could still hold true. But what I found with a lot of the players that I was working with as we went on was not all of them are getting enough actual game reps and so I need to get away from so much, hey, just technique, form, working on this move, working on this finish, working on this shot again and again and again. Those high repetitions that um, you know, we, we've have become normal in many training spaces. And we had to get into more random, more multiplayer drills, more multi-skill, more multiplayer drills, because uh, some of the players that we were working with weren't actually playing that much basketball outside of basketball season. And so when they came into basketball season, they were very behind as far as just the overall setting and style of a game, even though we had worked with them a lot on their shooting form, their footwork, those mechanics, right? Um, but that's not true for everybody. And I think that's the fun part about being in my world is depend on the player that I work with, depend on the program that I work with, we'll change up what we're doing. Some, some kids play a ton of basketball, too much, in fact, too much AAU, too much beating on their joints and their body. And so when I come in, I don't need to do a ton of these more so game reps. What those kids want for me is the details, the details that we can break down, deliberate practice, locking in mentally and physically on a specific type of footwork when it comes to making a crossover dribble and making sure we're hitting the, <clears throat> excuse me, make sure we're hitting the gas instead of the brakes on our first step, right? Which is kind of some footwork 
placement stuff um, right there. Being able to work on a specific finish with their footwork and where their shoulder is and how they're extending away from the defensive player with, with their arm and working on that again and again and again because they're already playing a lot of live game uh, situation. So that's something that I've definitely changed and adjusted. I made too much assuming when I was in the beginning of my training space. And, you know, since then we've, we've made big changes, try to get to know our clients better, figure out what their specific needs are as far as more game type reps, more block type specific, um, you know, footwork pieces and things like that. And then the other thing I want to mention is that, that we've changed is, yeah, I think that, I think we need more positive role models for young kids today. This isn't like a blame on parents, although there's a lot of single, there's a lot of single family homes out there, right? Mom's not there. Dad's not there, right? A lot of kids being raised by their grandparents see that all the time, right? In, in training, like it's surprising how many more kids that we've worked with who would no, know it's like they they live with grandma and grandpa. They don't, I don't know where their mom and dad are, right? We see that stuff more often. And so that comes in and you throw the fact of social media and the, the pressure that that can give kids to, to be perfect, to look a certain way, to play a certain way. Um, maybe the lack for certain kids of having a, a strong parental you know, role model at home. And so for us, it looks like more team building activities, more communication exercises. In the beginning, when we started out, you could speak to this day because, you know, you attended our thumb pride camps. We talked about real life. We talked about life skills and how the things that we do on the basketball court, as far as working hard, as far as treating people well, how that applies off the court, right? But now we've taken it to another level just because I think we need it, right? So it's not just us talking about it. It's us using actual activities that help build communication, challenge kids to communicate more, um, you know, silly stuff. Like we might start out, like tomorrow we're going to do a clinic. I'll have one kid blindfolded. They got to kind of walk through a maze. The other kids have to coach them through. We'll talk about the importance of working as a team, the importance of communication. Like I never did that for, for a long time with, with our business, but the importance, I think, for coaches to do things like that, the player development space, like me to do things like that, because our kids need more opportunities to be able to look back and say, you know what, I, I'm not alone. Other people are in my shoes. The things that we're working on do apply outside of these lines of the basketball court. And the better I can get them at communicating, at sharing and working with other people and about opening up and not being afraid to make mistakes, but everything is an opportunity to learn and grow and improve later on. You know, that's what it's all about. That's, that's part of the mission, right? The, the purpose that gets back to the passion of why you do what you do. It, it all comes back to making a positive impact. You know, I just get the chance to use basketball as this platform that so many people are interested in. And then, yeah, we can get your game up, right? But more than that, we can improve your life. 
I like seeing that um, evolution in the way that you're leading kind of the charge on that or, or one of the people that's leading the charge is that um, in, in my opinion, at least a lot of coaching, if you go back 15, 20 years ago, the main life lesson that coaches were trying to teach you was how to overcome difficult things. So that means, you know, running until you can barely stand. And mm -hmm. if you can get past that, then what can you get past when you're 35 and your boss is being a jerk? But there, there's more to it than that. You can teach kids. Kids are capable of learning more. And so those activities that you mentioned about, you know, fostering leadership and communication skills is so important. And you're right. Today's generation is capable of those things. And so I love that you're working in tandem with today's youth and, and helping push forward kind of a new generation that's going to be really, really capable and communicating and just putting them out into the world and setting them up for, for success. Uh, the next, next question I want to ask is you know, how have, how have you changed over the years personally? And that could be, you know, a little bit uh, professionally as well. Mm, that's a good question. Um, I'd like to think that I've changed a lot. I hope that if you asked anybody that question over, you know, nine years going into year 10 of anything, they'd say, boy, I I've changed a lot. Um, you know, I, I like to think of it like a game of one-on-one, -on -one, right? So when you were in high school, uh, you know, my grandpa would, your grandpa as well would always say, you know, if you were to play yourself in one-on-one, -on -one, you know, last year, you should be able to kick your own butt, right? Because you've worked on your game and you've grown that much. And that's the way I still look at it. You know, I want to be able to look myself in the mirror each day and say, man, if I were to stack myself up against who I was at this point last year, I'd blow, I'd blow myself out of the water. Like it wouldn't even be a competition, right? Because I've grown so much in the past year. What some of those growth aspects have started for me is when, when I started out, doing basketball training, it was much more individual, right? It was individual moves, individual uh, skills, shooting. And I love still digging in and learning and improving on that. But one of the big areas that we've grown is team. You know, I've, I've taken a couple courses on two, three zone offense. You know, I've taken a course on the dribble drive offense, right? I'm, I'm taking a deep dive into five out and being able to learn different types of defenses and being able to actually teach defenses with other coaches and break down things that they might do with their team. So then you're able to mix both of these hats in, which is a ton of fun and, and makes for, I think, really great players and programs is when you got an eye for the individual skills, which I've always had a passion about combined with how I've grown, especially with coachesedge.coach, our membership, the fact that we serve coaches around the country through coachesedge.coach, the meetings that we have, they've made me better. And they've also made me say, boy, Steve, you got to get your game up because you might be able to help every kid shoot, but you need to take a deep dive into five out or dribble drive or whatever that offense might be, ball screen offense. And get a good idea of where are the locations on the court the kids are getting shots. What are the situations? Where are the defense usually rotating from? So now you can put in you know, more multiplayer drills, more small-sided games, different types of actions that really reflect what teams are getting in a game so that those kids are even better for their in-game performance. It's what we all want, 
right? I mean, why do you practice? To get better. So you can play better in the games. Like I don't practice so that I can practice better. I practice better so that my games look better, right? I might practice and it might look worse, but if that's going to help me play better in the games, that's why we're doing what we're doing. So being able to look much more holistically at basketball, whereas before I felt like I started, I started out in a little box, right? And I, and I think that goes back to how we would develop players. That's probably still the right way to do it. Like you pick something, you try to get really, really good at it, right? And not that you don't stop trying to get better at it, but the better you get, the more other areas you can start to add in for room and growth. And that's kind of what I've done with, you know, studying more offensive styles and um, how that might uh, translate into team play. I love it. I want to kind of put a bow on this conversation and, and just ask, as you look back over these last nine years, what's been the most rewarding thing for you? Oh, man. Uh, relationships, 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 100% relationships. Um, I just, there's so many good people out there that I've had the chance to get to know through basketball. I mean, I remember right before I started my business, Mr. Littig, owner of our club in, in Germany, he says, you know, Steve, yeah, I want to fly you out to Germany. I want you to train all of the teams within our program for a month. We'll give you a car. We'll give you a hotel. We'll pay for all your food. We'll pay you on top of it. Um, all this stuff. It, it's because of relationships that he would even do that, right? I mean, that's a lot of money that he was putting up. It's because we, we built relationships with people. Uh, you never know when a relationship is going to come back and benefit you. I think the true test of character is that you're always trying to build positive relationships, but it's based more on what you give going back to the beginning. Like, are you a fountain or are you a drain, right? You're always you try to give, you try to give. Um, we had a young man. I remember this was when we were training in Bowling Green and I was just starting my business. You know, money was very tight. My wife was a, a college student, PhD student. We had a little one. We'd had our first house. Like I'm, I'm just like scratching and clawing. Right. And I see that there was a parent who signed his son up for all my spring training programs and all my summer basketball games, which at that point was like four or 500 bucks. I don't know. Now that'd be a really good deal. Um, but for me, I saw this money come in and like one day for all this stuff and my jaw just dropped. And I remember calling that dad and I was like, man, like, I'm so excited. Like, thank you for signing up. I'm so excited to work with your, with your son. You know, I just really appreciate this. And he said something that, you know, really stuck with me. And he said, Steve, this isn't, this isn't about basketball. He's like, the more my son can be around you, the better. I was like, wow, no way. You know, I, I just thought like, hey, we're we're trying to get better at basketball, right? And this dad was looking at this money as much more than basketball. He was looking at this as this is an investment for my son because this is a type of person that I want my son to be around growing up. And that just that just stuck with me, continues to stick with me of 
you know, what we're doing is, is bigger than basketball. I had, I had another uh, parent, young man and I'm on the phone with his dad and I had been training him and we're trying to get the training schedule down for, you know, times and dates and stuff like that over the coming months. So we're talking and, um, you know, we, we'd only spoken a couple of times before and he said, Steve, are you a Christian? And I was like, you know, yes, sir. He's like, I thought so. I thought so. He's like, we've never talked about it. I know you haven't, you know, like said anything about it. He's like, but the way that you carry yourself, the way that you communicate and the type of person that you are, you know, I could tell that you're a Christian, right? It's little things like that, that kind of reinforce, you know, the, the purpose and the why of what you do, what you do. And, um, it's great to have because you just kind of bank those things because there's a lot of days as a basketball coach, if you're running a small business, any type of job, like I'm not putting running a small business above any, like any type of job, it's hard work. There's times where you're like, man, this kind of sucks today. Um, but to go back into that bank and remember all those little reasons why you do what you do, um, you know, really pay off. And it's been it that those relationships have been phenomenal. Um, and just being able to do it at a really, really high level. Like yesterday, I'm watching the the MIAA tournament for Hope College, right? And I'm watching Clayton Dykehouse, who I remember as a high school player coming at one of our camps, and he's scoring like 20 plus points. He played in that elite level, and I'm just watching, I'm like, yes. And then after that last night, I flipped on a girls basketball game. Um, they'd won their first championship league championship in like 30 years this past year and being able to, and I've been training the team and the point guard and watching them win a big state tournament game, um, which, which, which was huge and being able to root for them is relationships. Right. And then yesterday talking to a parent locally in Myrtle beach. And he's, he's telling me that he's like, Steve, you're, you're on the verge of like blowing up training down here. Like this thing is going to be big. He's like, it's going to happen. It's going to, you know, it's going to happen. And um, working with his son, who's just a young little guy, but he's got a, a, a fire about him that reminds me of me when I was a little kid and I'm excited to train him, you know? And I, and I think that that's something that a lot of times as coaches, we can get caught up in winning championships or, you know, it was a trainer, did I train a pro player or NBA player or a college player? It's like, to me, that's never been my interest. Like I will, whether you're in third grade, you know, whether you're eight or 18, I'm fired up. I'm ready. Like, let's go. You know, whether you're an NBA player or a college player, or, you know, you're trying to make the team because you got cut last year. It's on. I'm ready. Let's go. And, um, you know, it's, it's much more about the people than it is the status. And I think if we keep that in mind throughout anything that we do, uh, we're going to be much, much better off. And, and when you start to compound that over time, you're going to get better results too, which is what we're after. Very cool, man. And, um, I love the perspective that you can continue to provide as, um, you know, if we use an analogy of here's the foundation and you laid out the foundation at the beginning of the conversation and then you're just stacking floors on top of that some of those floors might be for storage 
and eventually you might get to a, a luxury, you know, high rise apartment. Um, but you got to always take a look at that foundation to yeah. actually know what's what's happening in the building. And so I, I really appreciate that and having been on the sideline for for these last nine, 10 years, just watching you uh, very proud of of what you've helped build and excited for uh, where it's going to where it's going to go. And so if you have anything you want to tell the people to end this conversation, feel free. Now's the time. Otherwise I'll get us out of here. I want to thank you for, for uh, jumping on here. And I want to thank all of the coaches that have met made nine years doing this. uh, So rewarding, so uplifting who have, you know, picked me up during downtimes and, um, all the people that have had real big highs. And I feel like I'm a part of that and able to celebrate their highs um, to our listeners, to our coaches edge members, coaches edges, um, you know, two and a half years old coaches edge coach and being able to now be in touch with coaches around the country that I've never actually met face to face, but feel like we have a relationship um, that's, you know, a, m- more than transactional, right? It's not transactional. It's like, no, we're, we're kind of friends, right? that's pretty cool. And um, so it's just a thank you to our listeners, to our coaches edge members, to our players, to all the coaches that are bringing me in, everybody that trusts, because I think at the end of the day, um, trust is the hardest thing to gain. It's the easiest thing to lose. And I'm so thankful for all the people, players, coaches, and parents that trust me to, to work with them, to help them to hopefully speak some life into them and make them overall just better at what it is that they want to do. Um, so I can't thank you guys enough. Thanks Tay for, for jumping in and doing this. Absolutely. We'll get out of here. Thank you all for listening. Have a great weekend. Get after it today. Let's go.